Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Welcome to the UK Tech Weekly Podcast, the UK's premier audio noise, giving you a hot blast of tech straight into your ears every Friday. The UK Tech Weekly Podcast is an infotainment broadside from the editors of PC Advisor, Tech World, Mac World UK and Computer World UK. I'm going to stop that now. <laughs> Can't talk over that. That's nice. Uh, you can find us on Acast, on SoundCloud, on iTunes, and more. Every Friday, we bring you no more than 40 minutes of informed tech chat on the hot tech topics of the past seven days. Do not forget to subscribe to reviewers and to tell your friends. I am Matt Egan, Editorial Director of IDG UK, and today I'm delighted to be joined in conversation by Gordon Bennett. It's Neil Bennett, editor of Digital Arts. <laughs> Hello, and I've never heard that before. What could oh. be finer than Christina Mercer, audience editor of Tech One? And whatever happened to our price records? It's David Price, deputy editor of Macworld UK. Today we're talking about Apple's TV career, retro tech, and flying cars. So let's go. No, Kia, 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 Kia. Neil Bennett, you are old, and you like <laughs> old things, but you're not alone in this. What's going on? Well, uh, Nokia's rumoured to be releasing a new version of the classic 3310 phone at uh, Mobile World Congress in a couple of weeks. Still going on. Just <laughs> keep going. This apparently has been bigger news on on Twitter than Beyonce having twins. I think it's because what <laughs> this phone came out in September two thousand, which was kind of like a kind of simpler time when the biggest worry was kind of like whether George Bush would be elected, and he was obviously we were scared he was going to be the, clearly the worst president ever to be elected in America. So uh, yeah, so that's exactly a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, things things have changed back then. 
But uh, yeah, so uh, this this phone that uh, so many of us had back in the uh, early two thousands. 20, I don't know, whatever you call it. Um, the noughties. The yeah, noughties. No, I don't know oh, that. God. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be uh, rumoured to being re-released, um, which uh, you know is, is exciting to a lot of people who, who own one uh, about 15 years ago. So, so just for the listener, this is the Nokia phone, right? This is the one that everyone remembers, the kind of yeah. classic Nokia shape. Had snake on it? The 3310, yeah. was it? The 3310. I had um, it. As, as you know, tech journalists, obviously, uh, you know, we, we want to know about the specs. Yeah, so, let's go. So uh, let's, let's, let's go for it. It had an 84 by 48 pixel monochrome display. <laughs> Can anybody work out the, uh, the pixel density? I think that's probably retina, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> if Apple uh, had released it at the time, they would have, they said would have it called it retina. <laughs> the eyes cannot see anything clearer than this display. <laughs> It weighed 133 grams, which is the same as an iPhone 7, but uh, most of us thought of it as basically as a brick. Mm. Uh, its key new features when it came out was that uh, you could write three times as long text messages than you could uh, from previous models. Uh, but you had to be careful, because back then we all used to have to pay 10p a text message. And that's when uh, 10p was 10p, right? I mean, in the year 2000. They were bigger 10ps you know, as well, weren't they? They were, yeah. Giants. Yeah, if you swallowed them, you had to go to A&E. Yeah. But it didn't take you as long in A&E. Oof, satire. And uh, yeah, we were all on pay-as-you-go contracts back then, so uh, you were, you know every, you had to worry about whether you should send that text message or not. Um, you know, Single word text messages were not a thing in, no. the, in the early noughties, were they? Because it just felt like such a, a, a terrible waste to spend 10p saying yes or no. And also, there were like mums that were just getting used to the idea, so they'd like write formal letters. Hello, it's mum here. You're sincere, I know mate. it's you because I've got your number in my phone. Stupid mum. <laughs> Don't say that. Maureen's not listening to this. And you have to rewrite messages to try and get it down from being like three text messages down to two to try and save yourself sort of 10p. Which I suppose is good training for Twitter. Yeah, and I guess it may, it's kind of the birth of, of text speak as well, isn't it? You know, eight. <laughs> well, I didn't really last very long, did it? It's like a temporary ne- necessity. And now mm. we just write normally, you know, a message or whatever we get. But, but how fascinating that they're releasing a version of this. I mean, presumably it's not. The, that same phone is it? I mean, it's a version of it, I guess. Um, apparently, it's going to be nearly identical. I mean, it's and the only difference would be that it might have to be three G rather than two G. But that aside, it's you know, it could be near identical. In fact, we want it to be near identical yeah. because the whole point of that phone was that it was you know, its battery lasted yeah. all week, and you know, you could you know, take it anywhere. It could get really sort of bashed up, and it would still work. I mean, you know, I had one that survived festivals, mosh pits, falling over drunk, you know. It was almost like, you know, the, the, the worst that would ever happen, um, that you'd end up with a cracked screen. Yeah. In fact, somehow that was a badge of honour. It's like, you know, kind of how battered your Converse trainers are. Yeah. How battered your phone was, was kind of like an evidence of a life lived in a, in a kind of rock and roll it. lifestyle. Wow. <laughs> Just for the listeners at home, I'm showing off my... Very unbattered Converse trainers. So yeah, and of course it was fresh. wasn't a, wasn't a touchscreen either, so uh, uh, it didn't really matter if the screen was cracked, particularly. And also, you're not looking at photos particularly or anything like that. Sure, I mean, surely we're misremembering this. I mean, it might have been nice at the time, but well, when we what, actually uh, use it, it's who's going to who's going to buy it? I mean, presumably it's not like how much does it cost? Uh, about fifty quid. Fifty quid. So it's not like it's a, not super cheap either, is it? Yeah. You could get a probably a we can get a feature phone for a tenner. Like, People will pay that though, yeah. just to like the asshole. It's going to be everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Glastonbury and Lovebox oh. and 
you know, it's going it's going to be all over the festivals. But the thing is, if it's that durable, does it matter if you pay oh, you know, twenty quid more than a you know crappy feature phone or something like that? But it's only going to be a feature phone. Way, but yeah, if, if you, all you want is a festival phone, though. But if you walk into Carphone now and spend a ten x, I've got one in my drawer room at my desk. That thing is not going to break, and it's going to do. It's going to make calls and texts, basically, which I presume is all the thirty three tens going to go. So any interest in this, and there is interest, must yeah. be nostalgia. Yeah, it's, it's retro fetishism. I mean, we also, you know, how 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 difficult was it to try and get hold of one of those kind of Nintendo classic mini um, consoles before Christmas? Oh, yeah. so I thought retro fetishism was. A very different thing. <laughs> <laughs> or it was like a Wayne, a Wayne Rooney thing. <laughs> maybe maybe that's, that's, that's a northern thing, maybe. You know, so that's what you, you, you guys from the north think about retro We just think it's like you know releasing you, albums on cassettes. Are you saying that Leeds and Liverpool are the same? Yeah, basically, they're, they're, they're north terrible. of the Watford Gap. So, yeah, what's what's the difference? They really? all love their grannies up there, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting that you bring up uh, cassettes because I was thinking... Like, like it is the case now that in terms of physical sales of music, vinyl is comfortably the biggest um, format. Like, CD is nowhere these days. And I guess, you know, an audiophile will tell you that vinyl sounds different. Yeah, that's the thing, yeah. is that vinyl provides a better function. But this phone is going to be, in every way, worse. But I, I suppose my point is that it may well provide a better function. I'm not sure that's possibly the case, um, I don't know. It's debatable, but I think a certain amount of the the thrust behind vinyl is to do with the fact that decks look cool and you get a big old picture on your record. You've got a physical product to hold. Mm-hmm. There is an element of retro cool about it, I would say. It's not all technical. But I think also the thing that we nostalgically look back on the 3310 and, and love about that phone are the things that are the big flaws with the phones we have now. Yeah, battery life. And the yeah. fact that they're basically made of, you know, glass. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. they, they smash at the slightest, you know, you look at them funny and your screen's gone yeah. wrong. It's, um, well, yeah. even even though it was a bit of a brick, for, you know, it, it, that phone in terms of weight, but it would fit in your jeans pocket. I wore jeans in those days, I don't know how it is. But it would, you know, and, and so there's, there's, there's kind of a portability element as well. You weren't carrying around a computer. It was just, it was a useful tool. Yeah. But it didn't, like in the same way as your keys or your wallet kind of thing it just was part of and it was the first and you had a laptop though didn't you whereas now you've got I didn't in the year 2000 I actually had a word processor but that's a whole different (laughs) level of retro I was nine yeah oh come (laughs) on shut up Christina But it was also the, it was the first phone that you could make look cool, whatever your idea of cool was, because you could pop the case off and put a new, you know, this this was new oh, at the time. Yeah. You, you would go down the market and buy, you know, all those weird shops star. on Streatham High Road that sell trainers and phones. <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore, does it? Nostalgia. And what about keys and cobblers? Yeah, keys and cobblers. What's, What's that, that all about? <laughs> What's that all about? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Any other retro things that we can see coming back? Like you say, the, the games consoles has become a bit of a thing recently, hasn't it? Which taps into the same feelings, I guess. Which is there, I used there to is a, there is a sense with games that they used to be made in a different way. That they used to be made um, under technical limitations, and so because of those technical limitations, mm. they made them better. They made yeah. the gameplay better. Well, well, again, music's a good example of that as well, isn't it? You know, yeah. like like once when you get to the eighties, when when infinite tracks became possible music sounds different and and then again so in the 90s and subsequently there was kind of a backlash which is to make music sound more live and 
raw mm. um, as an aesthetic choice, even when you had the option to be less that way. And I suppose from a games perspective, it's similar. Yeah. But also back in the day, games were almost, you know, they, they came from a singular entity. They came from a person. Yeah. You had famous games designers. Here, a few, you know, you do still get a few, mainly out of Japan, apparently. But they're, they're like directors of huge film projects, aren't they? Yeah. They're, like, they're overseeing, but yeah, they're not doing Whereas if you look at, and actually another kind of retro fetishism for, for that 80s thing is that um, Amazon show, Hort and Catch Fire, you know, kind of mad men set in the TV, and uh, the film industry, sorry, the computer industry in the... In the, in the 80s, you know, you've got game designers there who are, you know, people queue up to get their copy of the new game signed at Comdex. Um, you know, we don't, you know, you don't really get that so much anymore. Um, mm. It's not an auteur's medium, is it, I suppose? But yeah, Interesting. I'm, but I was going to say, actually, if there's one thing they can bring back rather than this phone, maybe it should be the uh, Motorola Razr. Or the flip phone, the... Um, the Matrix phone. The Matrix phone, yeah. Even, yeah. After, even after the sequels? We're, we're happy with that. I'd still go and buy one of those rather than the 3310. I don't know. Maybe that was just the phone I loved most. When Flip I phones were cool. I think I'd rather have a current phone. I, mean, <laughs> I, 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 understand, I understand the appeal of buying sort of a generation before the current one because then it's cheaper and it's still basically just as good and you don't get some iterative upgrades. But this is going to be a quantum leap behind what we're Yeah, it's, it's not going to be the only phone, is it? It's, no, it's going to be... so you're still going to have to have your other phone. Yeah. It's, I, I, I've, got, I've grown dependent on having a few moderately good games and access to email and the rest of it on the go, and this is not going to give me any of that. But it, I guess it's broadly similar to a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago about um, things like the iPod Classic Um be you know you can't you can't buy it new from Apple anymore, but there's a big resale market because yeah. it does a thing really well for a specific uh, function. Um, and to Neil's point, I guess if you're going somewhere where you don't want to take your a thousand dollar phone, you might if you're the sort of hipster arsehole <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who wears a hat and does thanks. these things, you might spend sixty quid on a a, a feature phone. Do you remember these phones, Christina? It was my first phone, but... When you were nine? Years, no, no, a few years later. So it's still, still knocking about. It's like, all my friends had it. It was really good. So do you retro is things that are just normal to the rest of us? She probably doesn't even think Duran Duran are modern. <laughs> she probably thinks So Solid Crew is, uh, is classic music. <laughs> <laughs> that was why I tried to that pick, was a really pick good one. Reference. I was like, yeah, yeah, you did well there. <laughs> well, what was your first phone, Dave? Uh, well, I probably bought my first phone after Christina did, because yeah. I, I, um, for a long time I refused to buy one, and then eventually a friend of mine said that um, we play a game of pool, and if he won, I have to buy a mobile phone, and if I won, he'd shut up about it, uh, and he won the game. So, did you not think mobile phones were going to catch on or something? No, I, well, I just thought they were annoying. I didn't like the idea of people being able to ring me up, yeah. so I just didn't get one for ages. But yeah, it would have been like 2007, 2006. When I, no, wait, it was 2005 when I first joined this company, and I had one then. So it'd be about there, 2005. I got a Motorola Memphis when I was a student. It was huge. In order to charge it, you had to take the battery out. Um, and my parents bought it for me because I just never rang them, because I had to use a phone box to call my parents. And so it, it was a mobile phone, but it literally never left my room until it got stolen. <laughs> but would you want to go back to the days of, you know, before mobile phones? I remember, like, you know, as a teenager, there'd be yeah. phone calls flying around about sort of five, six o'clock on a Friday going, you know, where are we all meeting later? Well, or actually, and it's always the same place. I don't know why that... Well, that, yeah, I was going to say, in, in our case, it was there was a pub where most people would be at a certain time, and then there was a nightclub where most people would be if they were sufficiently sober and in 
Bradford in the 90s wearing shoes and a suit jacket. <laughs> <laughs> like, color me bad or something. Yeah, yeah. All the bouncers would just, like, decide they didn't like you. Particularly, <laughs> particularly when you weren't 18, so they had ultimate power mm. over you. And you had to pair off with... You basically, we had to, behind the chip van, you would pair off with girls because they wouldn't let boys in on their own. You had to be... No way. Yeah. So it was it was kind of all very ad hoc. But it, I mean, like... Like work behaviours changed a huge amount, but yeah, social behaviours massively changed because you had to arrange to meet someone at a certain time. Whereas nowadays, I mean, I'm going for a drink tonight and uh, I know that we're going to meet in a pub somewhere near Waterloo sometime between five and six. And I don't need I to get there about six, man. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, that's great. Be good to see you. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, just re- this is all right. This doesn't go out until Friday. It's fine. No, <laughs> none of our fans can come and stalk me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's, it's uh, where do we get? Yeah, uh, first phone, Neil. And mine was a fifty-one ten, which was like two generations before the thirty-three ten, and it was just even bigger and even uglier and had a little stubby aerial stubby aerial I was just thinking that the the Motorola Memphis had that and it actually broke off and I remember ringing Motorola to say can I get a replacement part and they said you don't need to it doesn't actually do anything (laughs) amazing time did people actually know about model numbers in those days because I I don't remember what my first phone was I just think it was a Nokia I think I only remember it because of that because it it broke and then it got stolen and that was quite a big deal for my student hall because like from an insurance perspective it was the most expensive thing I owned I was worried about my CDs, but they were all safe. I think I think you're right. I actually had to go and look up on Wikipedia what the uh, the phone I originally had was by clicking through pictures of, of Nokia phones until I went, oh yeah, there was that one. Because yeah, thirty three ten, fifty one ten. These are not kind of you know, amazing examples. That's of as good branding. An, an excuse for flicking through pictures of old phones that I can think of. <laughs> anyway, let's close off this fascinating discussion by going around the room. Uh, old is the new new, or kill the elderly. <laughs> <laughs> Neil Bennett. Um, well, the second one sounds a little bit like euthanasia to me, so uh, I'll go for the fair, uh, yeah, old is the new new. David euthanasia Price. Euthanasia isn't necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> David Price. Uh, kill, kill the elderly. Excellent. <laughs> Christina Mercer. Um, what was the first one? Old is old the, new, is the new, new new. That's yeah. what I'll go for. It's right for you to say that, as a young person. We'll take a short break, uh, and then we'll be back to talk about uh, different subjects. (laughs) That seemed quite long. Yeah, it was quite long. It's all right. I'll pull it back with Christina's boring section. Who can deny the joy it brings when you found that special thing? You're flying without wings. Christina Mercer. What's that up in the sky? Learning to fly. Tell me how high. Um, I'm sorry, I just can't get over your eyes were closed while you were singing that. It was intense. <laughs> this podcast is basically just so that three people have to sit here and listen to Matt sing. Isn't Pretty it? much. Where's any audience? Um... So, yeah, in Dubai this week, the transport agency has said that passenger drones will start regular operations from July this year. So uh, that's sort of scary. So this is essentially like flying cars or, I mean, like solo aeroplanes? Yeah, essentially. So, the, the, well, the apparently it can carry one passenger weighing 220 pounds, which I believe is 15 and a half stone, or a Oof, person and... On the cusp. <laughs> I was going to say, and a person and maybe a bag. Um, my, so... It was my bag that was heavy. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so yeah, and apparently you go in and all there is is like a touchscreen um, monitor and you just select your destination and then that's it. There's no one, no other controls. That's There's really nothing. scary. Yeah. So. You seen that episode of Silicon Valley where he goes in a Google self-drive car and it, and it ends up like, recalculating the route and it takes him to a, like an oil rig? Oh yeah. It's really scary. Yeah. I mean, it's meant to be funny, but I found it terrifying. <laughs> You're on edge the whole episode. <laughs> I found it terrifying. Well, so let's try to assuage some of your fears. Is this a real actual thing or is it just a press release? Um, I'm not sure really. I feel like it could definitely be just a load of rubbish. But they've give, they've given a date for it, right? And they're saying yeah. They well they said it. They said in 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 July, and they said that they've been te- they, they've been um, testing it, but I don't really know what that means to what extent. I mean, I read something that said they had actually been flying these things over Dubai. Well, <laughs> so. I should have probably read that also. <laughs> <laughs> so that I mean that suggests that it is kind of like a live thing. But again, I mean we've no proof of that. But yeah. Um, well, they said that it, it can fly at 100 miles an hour, which seems too fast. I don't know why. It also seems a suspiciously round number. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it that only... seems quite low for flying. Yeah, but it's mm. only a single-person drone, isn't it? It's, oh. it's not like... It's, I mean, it's not, it's not going to go up to 30,000 feet. And, you know, it, the, I think the idea is that it kind of hovers around at building height. Yeah. And, you know, it's just a way of avoiding traffic, essentially. So it's but, essentially a taxi. It's yeah, kind of like yeah. a, it's like a real version of uh, Total Recall's Johnny Cabs. Well, apart from in the sky. But apparently, you can only get about thirty miles on yeah. one battery charge. So, where do you want to go? There's more than thirty miles, especially in Dubai. It's quite a small place, know. isn't it? Or am I thinking of some, one of the other Emirates? I don't know. I don't know either. Never, never been to Dubai. <laughs> is it the one with a really tall building? It is. Yeah. Yeah, that one. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I really like the BBC did um, a report on this and um, there's a guy called Doc- Dr. Steve Wright and he... Um... Steve Wright in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure he's a doctor? <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he said he was when he was... Could you also call Dr. Fox? <laughs> <laughs> um, apparently he's like a lecturer and an expert in this stuff. But he said that um, when when they asked him if he'd volunteer for it, they said that he, uh, I'd have to be taken kicking and screaming. That was his expert. <laughs> like Mr. T. Yeah. Yeah, I ain't going on no plane. I ain't going on no drone. Uh, so, all right, guys. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. 
absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. As would, would, would you go on a uh, unmanned single-person drone? No. <laughs> It's a very straight answer. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I would, but I wouldn't do it first. Yeah. I'd, I, I'd want yeah. this to be quite normal and there's been no crashes. Yeah, I think at least at like a 99.9% success rate before you go, yeah, that's okay. Well, I think it, it, there's a couple of interesting things to unpick, one of which we've talked about before, which is the fact that commercial pilots will tell you they don't physically land the plane yeah, more true. than sort of once in every 25 to 50 times. And that's to keep their hand in, basically, that the plane itself lands itself pretty safely. Well, more safely than a human, basically. They take over if there's a problem. Um, But obviously, they don't broadcast that fact when you're on the plane. And there is a very reassuring man or woman wearing a nice uniform, speaking with a plummy voice, making you feel comfortable because we're we're pre-programmed to feel safest in the hands of a human. Um, Even though probably it is safe... Well, definitely it's safer for a computer to make that decision but I suppose the other thing is this kind of free-flying single-person vehicle is a bit very different from the controlled traffic-controlled yeah. skies um, and it's also a much busier environment that's what I mean yeah, so if you think you know, it's not that long ago there was an air ambulance that crashed into a, a, a crane in South London once you're if you're only a certain distance up yeah. there's a lot more things going on you know, other people flying recreational drones and yeah. birds and, you know, cranes and helicopters and God knows what else flying superheroes. around. Rather than, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, if one of these things happens to bump into Superman, I think it's probably going to be the drone that comes off worst. Yeah. He'd react really quickly, though, and he'd, he'd say... Depends. Not in Superman 3 when he's been a baddie. Is that the one where he throws a big S on I somebody? so, but I might be wrong. All I remember that is Richard Pryor. So. Yeah. Very, very strong performance. Don't hear much from him these days. Um, yeah, yeah, no, completely. It's much more. And I wonder how regulating the environment. I mean, this is coming from the authorities in Dubai, yeah. so presumably there is a plan. But, you know, it, it seems unlikely that anytime soon we're going to have air, uh, motorways in the sky. Yeah. They said they, they obviously got asked about safety concerns and they said that it, they were like, well, it's got a feature which will just provide an emergency landing if anything fails. Yeah, exactly. That's not. Well, that's a really general thing to say. <laughs> is that just called a parachute? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm interested in this uh, air ambulance that crashed. Was it after it had picked up a patient? Because if it had, that's like the definition of a bad day, isn't it? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I can't remember the head of head of. Uh, it ended in tragedy, though. For uh, I think for the pilot. So, so definitely uh, not a subject for humour. No. <laughs> On that bombshell, uh, let's go around the room. Uh, Fly me to the moon or I ain't getting on no plane. Neil Bennett. I'm definitely not getting on that plane. I'm getting on no plane. Christina Mercer. (laughs) I ain't getting on no plane. All right, we'll give Christina a few seconds seconds to recover herself and uh, then we'll be back to talk about Apple and its plans to dominate TV. (laughs) Ha (laughs) ha. Ha ha. David Price, the revolution will not be televised, or will it? Uh, 
No. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. Um, <laughs> I, could, I could talk about Apple television plans, yeah, if you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yes, Apple has uh, announced that it's going to make some television of its own, which has been rumoured for a very long time. And uh, unfortunately looks uh, pretty crap. Because, um, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, they're rubbish programmes. Uh, they've done. Uh, they've released trailers of two uh, programs they're going to do, which is um, well, they're going to carry on Carpool Karaoke, which that's is James quite good. Yeah, isn't it? yeah to be to be fair, that's um, that's an existing program. But they're stretching um, it out, right? To, uh, yeah, they're going to well, they're going to release sixteen episodes of like full yeah feature. James Gordon's done well, hasn't he? He is, he is. He's he's quietly cracked America. Yeah. He is by um, all accounts a very nice chap as well. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, like him in the History Boys. Very good in the History Boys. Yeah. Saw him on stage in the History Boys. Yeah. Oh yeah. Under the uh, drama degree. <clears throat> uh, I once met Alan Bennett and he uh, shook my hand. <clears throat> you got better than that? I've sat in a restaurant near Alan Bennett. Does that That's count? Right. That's not bad. Uh, getting back to the... <laughs> <laughs> time to History Boys Top Trumps. <laughs> <laughs> That's the lamest thing I've ever witnessed. <laughs> Alan Bennett related celebrity encounters. <laughs> Uh, so they've got Carpool Karaoke, and, and I don't think that really counts because that is, um, that's a programme that they've just basically... Yeah, it's already massively successful. They've, exactly, they've just bought up. But the two original ones are um, one which is called Vital Signs, which is um, a sort of it's supposed to be semi-autobiographical. It's it's uh, by Dr. Dre, so uh, we don't know much about that. Um, Again, and, it's it's all doctors. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, indeed. Uh, and the but the other one and the one which is uh, sort of embarrassing is called Planet of the Apps. Oh yeah, I saw this. Um, and the trailer for this is really sort of. It's a bit Alan Partridge, to be honest. Um, you keep thinking it's going to be a parody. It's like Dragon's Den, um, only for app developers. So um, so there's four people sitting in chairs, just like the dragons. And then the developers come in and they have to make uh, what is clearly an elevator pitch, which I think we used to do, didn't we? Uh, we had an IDG uh, news service thing where uh, tech people would have to literally be in a, in a lift and have a minute to <laughs> describe their, their product. It sounds like the sort of thing we would do. Exactly. Um, but this is exactly like that, except it's on an escalator, which makes it like, <laughs> really crap. So they've got 60 seconds. There's this really slow-moving escalator that comes into the, into the, into the arena. Oh, my God. And they're God. standing on this super slow-motion escalator <laughs> describing what their app does. And then um, the four... Experts, which we'll come to in a minute, they, and they, to make it more sort of techie, they appear to have like a Tinder on their on their tablets, and they sort of swipe left to say no to this. Right. Um, and then if they say yes, then eventually they come in and they choose a mentor, which I think is like in what the Voice. Yeah, like the Voice. I don't watch the Voice, but I think it's like the Voice. Um, and then that person will then mentor them to try and uh, make a success of their app, and they'll go through all the various pitching to venture capitalists or whatever. And eventually, at the end of the program, you can download the app, which is sort of where Apple's thing comes in. Uh, the, it'll be prominently displayed on the App Store. Um, but it all looks, it just looks really embarrassing. I mean, it, 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 it does sound lame, but there's, there's the germ of an idea in there, I suppose. Yeah, well, yeah, there is. But all, all the app developers out there basically are laughing at it. Yeah, of course. The, yeah. the best we've seen is a couple of them have said, um, well, yes, this looks ridiculous, but it's not aimed at us. It's aimed at people who are not in the industry. and don't So is it aimed at people who have an idea but no means of actually coding the idea? or uh, Well, the entrance, yeah. uh, possibly. Um, but a lot of people are saying they just refuse to go on it yeah. because it's just it's an odd way to do it. And it's really sort of degrading as well. It's a, this is a serious subject and it's being reduced to the level of putting on a little performance. Yeah, but of. that's, I mean, that is the same as... 
The Apprentice. The Apprentice. Yeah. All those. Well, um, the Apprentice is a joke as well. You remember The Apprentice started out and it was semi-serious, and the people that were on it were actually quite good, you know, young business people. And there was a genuine job at the end of it, and then it changed halfway through into just here are some objectionable people that will have arguments, and at the end of it, you. What, is that what happens at the end of it? He now gives you a loan or something? You or... get like an investment from him. So he's not even, you're not even working with him anymore. Yeah. So that's ridiculous. Um, so the, you know, let me tell you the experts then. There you've got um, uh, a guy called Gary Vaynerchuk, who I don't know anything about, but he's the CEO of Vaynermedia. Um, but the other three are Gwyneth Paltrow, Will I Am, and <laughs> Jessica Alba. <laughs> Will, Will I, I Am is just on everything. Yeah, yeah I know. Uh, to be fair, those three, Will I Am has the best technology credentials because he's released a lot of extremely bad technology products but he's just been announced uh, he's going to be a new market trader on eastenders isn't he will i am yeah not really but i was, I was right <laughs> see i don't watch eastenders you could have you could have had me going with that yeah no he, he um he released um this uh the uh, smart watch which was terrible and uh the headphones which were terrible um and various other things so he does actually know a little bit about the technology industry but the other two, I don't really know what their connection is. But Does it matter? I mean, it sounds like this is like the modern apprentice. This yeah. is, let's laugh at these flipping idiots. Yeah. Uh, and I could be well, talking no, about I... the people pitching or the judges at this point. It's yeah. it's just a complete, um, trying not to swear here. Uh, well, yeah. Christina's already used the word arsehole. So. Yeah, that's a swear gonna... word. Oh. Actually, my mum would say that's a swear word. Yeah, I was going to say clusterfuck, but, you know, it's apparently that's not allowed. <laughs> We're going to have to use the bum juice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so why is Apple doing this? Uh, well, they've they've said that they want to create an entire pop cultural experience, and that happens to include audio and video, which is a bit weird. So they're um, trying to get into the content game, basically. Yeah, basically. Yeah, they because they've got Apple Music, um, and they want to give people more um, incentive to sign up to that. Because the moment, obviously, by the name, it just offers music, um, but it's going to have television as well. So surely, at some point. They're going to have to rebrand it. I thought they should call it Apple Play. Um, there you go. It's a little yeah. bit have Google Play-like, though, isn't it? Oh, well, you know, they stole <laughs> the word App Store for a bit. Anyway, mm. um, maybe not. Uh, but, yeah, they, they want to have a bit of television, so they're creating their own television. But why um, aren't they just buying? I mean, that's... I mean, I don't know. It, like, like, tech companies have a history of... Well, yes, you, you, is, you've got Facebook and Google, who yeah. are essentially... Conduits for other people's content, yeah, pretty successfully. Yeah. They don't even try make, or they have had various attempts at making stuff themselves. But ultimately, what they are is a marketplace for other people's content. It gets people like Amazon, who actually are starting to make inroads there. Odd, really, because they went from retail to a tech company to content company, and then on the flip side, oh, actually, BT as well, I suppose, tech company that now make content. Reasonably successfully, but it's a massive investment to try and win users. It's a loss leader. And then you've got smart content companies like Sky and ESPN who are creeping ever more into the tech space. But I just I can't think of a tech company that's, that's successfully kind of transitioned into this. And I don't, I don't understand why they would. Apple's, Apple's got a massive distribution network. So, you know. But you're not including Netflix in that, then. Yeah, because the, the two big ones that they're clearly trying to emulate are Netflix, Netflix and, and Amazon. Prime, yeah, but I would say um, Netflix is a content company that's got a bit of tech. Yeah, completely. It's, it's a very good example, but Apple could buy Netflix. But also the biggest thing, I, I think, is that it took such a long time for Apple to move from selling music yeah, to, to streaming it. Yeah. You know, do, how long is it going to take that company to actually move from selling DVDs and box sets and you know, physical media or shows that you can download and own? 
to or an all-you-can-eat well, package. T- TV's, at TV producers, people who make TV, have actually been much smarter than the music industry as well. I mean, it's happened later. But if you, you know, like um, Richard Osman, who, yes, he's on Pointless, but actually he's senior executive at Endemol, so he's a big player in big TV in the UK. And he was saying the other day that, you know, they, them and companies like them have been ready for years for TV to go on demand. Um, and they're actually surprised that the current, let's say, streaming essentially, but 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 broadcast schedule is being so robust. And it seems to be that it's a generational thing, but people still like to switch on at half seven and watch EastEnders or Coronation Street or whatever. But it's going to happen that TV will become almost exclusively on demand. Um, and, and the program makers and the, the, the kind of financial ecosystem is kind of ready for it. Um, yeah, the only thing that would be left would be live TV. Yeah. It'll be yeah, foot, football sports, and yeah. um, sport, yeah. sport and and events essentially, music and things like that. And uh, yeah, X Factor and stuff. Like that. Well, do they have like live versions of those shows? Yeah, so and kind of thing, to... things where people uh, second screen on social around something as it's happening, um, and then you get the same thing with premieres of of new yeah. series where people want a second screen around it. But I suppose the point I'm making about Apple is they're pretty late to this, so it seems odd that they would want to. Maybe they're not, but they would want to invest in the risk of making stuff that people might not like rather than with more money than basically any other company in the world. It does, it does seem like a risk and I mean, uh, it may not work. Yeah. It doesn't look like it's going to work at this point because the content doesn't sound... Like it's I mean, Amazon, let's not forget, basically bought Love Film and a few other companies to get its back catalogue and now is consistently buying like you know, buying Seinfeld and things like that, which yeah. is a low, low um, price acquisition that just adds to the whole idea that there's this library... Of content Netflix does Netflix was it Netflix said the other day oh it's got um, the people versus OJ Simpson which was on TV a couple of years ago but is you know again it's just adding it's a good show it is a really good show yeah. um, but but Apple it would seem is going to go a different way I well I I don't know what their plans are with TV overall I'm hoping that what they will do which is what they what they used to be good at is creating an umbrella service yeah because you look at something like music um, where exclusivity deals are still comparatively rare. I mean, you had the thing with Prince on Tidal for a little bit, but he's, he's come back to all of the streaming services yeah, now. Yeah, what's these days? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but on TV, there's the annoying situation where, well, for example, I, I have Netflix and I have Amazon Prime as a result of some bad decisions in my life. <laughs> Good um, decisions, I would say. Possibly. Um, but whenever I want to watch a programme, then there's always that frustrating thing of, well, who's got it? And it's never the people that I'm currently subscribed yeah. to. What Apple need yeah. to do is to come in and launch a service that may be more expensive than any of the existing ones, but which includes most things. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what they would be good at. Um, but they Clearly, they want to have a few things of their own. But t- timing's everything there, right? Because, yeah. because with iTunes, Sony was essentially being head in the sand about digital music. And so Apple got yeah. in and, and vigorously pursued all the music publishers and got them to allow what seemed like the relatively trivial thing of allowing downloads they thought that wasn't going to be a big part of their business tv is much more mature tv and movies actually are, are more mature markets now yeah well they're and in a position of strength music music was dying yeah. when apple came along and offered them a lifeline but tv they're not going to give it up lightly but also i mean can apple convince the likes of netflix and amazon to put their own original programming within another service the whole reason why amazon yeah. and netflix do these original, you know do make yeah. stranger things or yeah, you know, the whole reason why Sky is pushing shows like Fortitude at the moment yeah. is because they're exclusive to them. Well, look at, they, the, look at look at the way Sky is structured. The only thing you can only get on Sky is Sky Atlantic, and that's the only place where they put the drama programs that um, 
that are. I mean, I, I dare say they would do the same thing with sport, but they can't because the sports licensing bodies insist that they share them with other broadcasters. But yeah, exactly. Exclusivity is the way that you get people to sign up to your platform. And also, it's not premium. I mean, like Sky is, but it, it's going down. And what, Netflix is what, a fiver a month? And Amazon, you get it free if you sign up for Prime, which is 80 quid a year. So that is not expensive. Yeah. Well, Apple Music is nine ninety nine, right, uh, a month, and, and you, you get, get the music it. as well. So it's it, in yeah. effect, it's uh, Spotify Plus That's if they get this TV. Yeah. 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 But it is interesting to look at the way things have changed. I was, I was reading the sort of highlights of the original content that's been made by these um, tech. I don't know. Are we calling Netflix a content company then? No, we'll call it a tech company. company. Why not? Um, but there's some really good stuff. Um, and I have, as I said, I have both of these and I don't watch anywhere near as much as I should. But you can divide it into these two groups of stuff which maybe wouldn't get made if it wasn't for these companies mm. and stuff which would have got um, ended and they continued it, like Arrested Development and Ripper Street. Yeah. Also, stuff um, that would have ended up on Channel 4. There's a lot of yeah, like, some shows of, yeah. like, you know, they're, they're, you know... But with much higher production values. Yeah, yeah. American shows as well. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the stuff that you see, being you know, they call it Amazon Originals. It's only because it's only available over here. You get some stuff which has uh, yeah. been but made by AMC. Things, it, I mean, it's it's very it's early and it's nascent, and they're ploughing money into it. But um, transparent and things like that would not have been made because the US networks are famously, you know, coy about addressing anything to do with sexuality and things like that. Bojack Horseman had bad ratings early on. Have any of you watched Bojack yeah, Horseman? Very it. good program. Um, got quite bad ratings early on. Um, but they just kept it going because they trusted in their data, which is you know which is a key thing of this, mm-hmm. and they kept it going. Um, they're much more willing to um, do risky projects because it's all bundled, so they don't have to get individually high ratings. They don't have to sell adverts against each individual mm-hmm. program, so they can they feel that like they can take more risks. But it's the point is it's a different it's a different set of commercial pressures. Well, I wonder as well, like and we know this from our own experience. We used to make magazines. And we kind of guessed what people liked. Yeah. And then you go online. And what that means now is we do far fewer things than we used to do. We don't do news because we, because we know that people don't come to us for news. Mm. But we really focus in on the things that people actually like. And I suspect that's the same with TV to an extent is that yeah. when you take scheduling out of it and you take, to a large extent, actually promotion and marketing out of it, you find out exactly what it is that people genuinely like. Yeah. So what you get with... Um, well, some of the famous example is House of Cards, where they yeah. just looked at their user data and said people that like David Fincher also like Kevin Spacey and yeah. also like the U- UK version of House of Cards. So yeah. let's join those all together. So this this is why it's it's we're in a good place at the moment where the different sources of content are all thriving. So you've got you know you've got the BBC that don't need to worry about ratings, but they do need to worry about satisfying uh, the Daily Mail, and you've got <laughs> um, ITV and Channel Four who need to sell adverts against things, and you've got these guys where it has to satisfy the data, which it, on its own could produce a lot of formulaic stuff where they were not willing to do anything unless it was oh, well the data backs it up. But at the moment, you've got those three different forces, and means we're getting all sorts of different programs. We're in a very exciting time, and also there, you, there are going to be niches in every country. It's not like they're just trying to, you know, like the BBC uh, or Channel Four trying to hit one nation of people. Mm. They can make if they make a TV show that's picked up by, you know, a hundred thousand people in each territory. Yeah. Um, that may not be the biggest show that's out there. But that's going to be enough people to to you know yeah. to recoup the amount of money they put in there. And because it's subscribers, they can afford to have a lower audience. They don't need to hit millions yeah. each time. Well, they, what they need to do is get people to subscribe, don't they? Yeah. So that's why. 
Uh, and it's a bit of a, it is a bit of a land grab, so they're probably spending more than they will in the longer term, and they won't all survive. That's the interesting thing. But yeah. but um, yeah. Yeah, I've Good. got Hey Hey You, which is basically Netflix, but only for reality TV. <laughs> oh, come on, Christina. <laughs> I like to keep up to date with the R and B scene in Atlanta. <laughs> what? I see. You just I don't understand what that means. I think it's some sort of young person's code word. <laughs> Anybody watch Sneaky Pete? Sneaky Pete's good. That's I haven't, I haven't started. I mean, it's there. I, I will watch it at some stage. It's good. The guy in it, he does all these funny faces. I think he's trying to be like um, uh, Robert De Niro, who we don't know, who we don't, don't like anymore because he's an anti-vaxxer. Um, but he's, he's, he does all these sort of serious faces and stuff. But other than that, he's a very good actor. Giovanni Ribisi. Good program. You heard it here. Probably not first. <laughs> uh, let's quickly go around the room then. Uh, telly addicts or you've been framed. Neil Bennett's. Uh, definitely telly addicts. David yes. Price. Telly addicts. Christina Mercer. Yeah, telly addicts. Thank you so much, guys, and thanks for listening to this edition of the UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Do get in touch. Let us know your thoughts and opinions. Tweet us at UK Tech Podcast or email editor at idg.co.uk. We will be back next week with more informed and uninformed opinion on the hottest topics in tech. Until then, don't forget to subscribe, report, uh, report, review us, and tell your <laughs> don't report them. Please report. Yeah, report us if you want. Let's go. We've got nothing to hide, apart from some stuff. Uh, until next week. Compadres, say goodbye. Goodbye. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.